Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. My guest today is Becky Attard. If you've been listening, you heard Becky share her story not too long ago about her fight against and her victory over breast cancer. And Becky has been gracious enough to join us on the show again today. Becky, thanks so much for making time. I'm very excited to be here for the second time. Becky, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago on this show about just God's faithfulness and God's goodness to you in the midst of your cancer journey. And you had some really celebratory things to share about the progress that you've made. And then just a couple of days after we posted our show, you reached out to me and said, I've got an update. Can, can you tell people who are listening what you learned? Yeah. So we recorded the podcast and afterward I like sat on my couch and I had this like sick feeling in my stomach (laughs) and Fred came home and he was like, babe, how did it go? And I was like, it's fine. It was fine. And then that podcast was posted on a Tuesday and I was back in the ER on Thursday. So breast cancer ended September of 2021. And looking back, like after it ended, I was, I was like running away from it and I was doing everything I could to not think about it, not talk about it. Got my real estate license, got my 200 hour yoga teacher training certification. So that was fall of 2021, winter of 2022 came. And then March, end of March, beginning of April, I was like, gosh, I I have this neck pain. (laughs) Like, couldn't really turn my head, Um, was having some back pain as well, went to the chiropractor. And she's like, well, you have a vertebrae that's like kind of out of place or whatever. She's like, we'll pop it right back in. I was like, okay. So I was going to the chiropractor, then some time passed. I went to the physical therapist and I've known my physical therapist for years. We worked together at Lifetime. And in like our fourth session, she's like, Becky, she goes, something is not right. And I think it was because like, I've known Val for years and she knows what I'm physically capable of. And like in our fourth session, she was like, stop. She goes, something's not right. You're not responding like you should. And went and got x-rays and she like looked at the x-rays and She's like, Becky, this is showing like a possible C1, C2 fracture, which is a really big deal. Like your cervical spine fracture. She's like, you, you got to get to the ER. So this is a Thursday. Freddie and I went to the ER and I just like, I had normal like Lululemon clothes on. Like I was, you know, makeup on hair, you know, done. Walked in the ER and the girl at the counter was like, she looked at me like out of the corner of her eye. She's like, what are you here for? <laughs> like this girl has like a broken nail or an upset stomach, right? I said, I got x-rays yesterday. I said, I have a possible C1-C2 fracture. <laughs> she looked up at me and she goes, don't move. I was like, okay, like, <laughs> sure. She comes at me with this other nurse with a wheelchair and this collar, like a neck brace. And this thing is like huge, right? Now, mind you, my neck, I'm very protective over it because I knew something was wrong. It wasn't right. It was painful. And 
So they're coming at me with this, <laughs> with this big neck brace and I'm starting to freak, right? I'm like, you cannot touch me. You cannot put that thing on me. It was like two dog catchers coming at a, <laughs> coming at a stray dog. The whole waiting room was full. The police officer was like turning his head. Like, you know how there's a police officer like behind the bulletproof glass in the ER? Yeah. He's like starting to get up out of his seat. Like, am I going to have to get involved with this woman? Fred's just standing there shaking his head like, oh, geez, you know. So anyway, so they put the, they put the collar on and it was a disaster. So they, you know, did the whole ER thing and put us in the hallway, right? And we're like in the hallway of the ER for hours. And I'm like, you know, can I eat something? And they're like, no, because you potentially might have to have emergency neck surgery tonight. <laughs> so you can't, you can't eat anything. And I'm like, okay, that, that's, that's good. Right. So go to, go for a CT scan. They come back like an hour later and the girl's like, well, you know, you have multiple fractures in your, you know, your neck and your spine. And we think your breast cancer jumped to your back. And Fred and I were in the hallway of the ER. And I don't even think I was crying at that point because I was just in complete and total shock. Sure. Fred's standing there and he looks at me and he, he goes, babe, he goes, this is awesome. He goes, you're writing a book right now about your journey. He goes, you had like three chapters. He goes, here's where the story gets good. I go, excuse me. I have like five chapters, but yes, I'll agree with you. Like, here's where the story like really starts to get good. Right. So this was Thursday night and they're like, well, we're going to put you in a room. We're keeping you. And then we need to do an MRI in the morning. And I was like, okay. Right. So they put me in a room and gosh, that was 11 ish or whatever. And they're like, well, your husband can't stay with you. Right. So I had to be by myself. They put us in a room like a temporary room. And I swear it was like midnight. So they're like, well, your husband can't stay with you. And mind you, see, like, I didn't have anything. Like, I, I mean, we went to the ER, like not realizing I was going to stay, not realizing any of this. And so I, like my phone was about to die. I had there, nothing was open. Like there was, we hadn't eaten in hours. So Fred leaves, <laughs> goes home, comes back. It's like 1231 in the morning, brings me a bunch of stuff. And then I'm there by myself. And I remember, like you talk about Gina, I talked about Gina on the first podcast about there are times when it's just you and God. Like talk about just being you and God, right? Like I'm in the hospital bed, could sleep, laying there going, okay, I have these fractures in my neck, I have these fractures in my back. Not knowing for months that was what was going on. I just knew, like, oh, I can't turn my head and I can't fold forward. And chiropractor's like, it's trauma stress. And I'm like, okay. So anyways, so that night was rough. And I told Fred, I said, you know, when we had, you know, when you have your first child, you have like a bunch of feelings that you didn't know existed, right? We'll talk yeah. about, like I was laying there in the hospital bed and I had all these feelings that I was like, didn't know existed. Cause I'm like, oh gosh, what in the world's happening? So Friday morning comes, Fred actually came up to the hospital. It was like 8 a.m. And then the MRI people come in like five minutes later. 
And they're like, yeah, we're taking you for your, for your MRI. And I was like, oh, okay, bye friends. See you later. You know, he was there for like three minutes. And I was like, well, how long is the MRI? And they're like two hours. <laughs> what? Okay. Two hours. So do the MRI. And that rocked me, right? Like I came out like dripping in sweat. And then the doctors, you know, started coming in and they're like, yep. They're like, you're, you know, there's multiple lesions, multiple fractures. And it's basically stage four, <laughs> stage four, right? Now, mind you, I'm like by myself, friends that meet the teacher with the kids because school started on Monday. Friends that meet the teacher and the doctors are like, um, ma'am, do you have any family? I'm like, yes, I have a ton of family, <laughs> but this happened in the past, like, you know, night and my husband's at meet the teacher with the kids like don't worry it's fine so my brother ends up coming up and one of the doctors is in the room and he's talking about like how serious it is and basically like you know I love doctors but they can be not so positive so we're going through like all these different scenarios right of like what can happen and they're basically like you know you're going to do radiation and I was like well if I do the radiation and it kills the tumors, will the vertebrae heal? And the doctor was like, yeah. So we were going through a bunch of different stuff and I'm feeling, you talk about like not falling into despair. Like I'm swirling the drain of despair. And my brother at that point looked at the doctor and he goes, so there's hope. Cause we went through a couple different scenarios and the doctor looked at my brother and he said, yes. And my brother said the word hope and just hearing that word, Steve, like brought me up out of, not completely out of despair, but I was like, no, there's always hope, right? Yeah. So the doctor said to me, he said, listen, he goes, there's a lot of research on being positive, you know, fighting cancer and beating cancer. He said, but that's not something I can prescribe. That's something that you have to do on your own. And I just looked at him. I said, I understand. So from there, they had like an alarm on my bed. I couldn't get out of bed. They, they wouldn't let me shower. And I'm like, well, can't I just, you know, get up? And there's like, no, man. They're like, because we don't know if your spine is stable. And I'm like, well, I appreciate the concern. And I appreciate you guys like really taking care of me. But I've been rocking life for like a couple months now <laughs> like this. Like this didn't just happen yesterday, right? Like I didn't just all of a sudden like wake up with neck pain and come to the ER. Like this has been going on for a long time, right? So long story short, they, they let me go home Friday night, but they sent me home with planning papers. They basically were like, you have stage four cancer. Here are your planning papers, right? And Saturday and Sunday were probably like the worst days of, of my life. And I, I tell people like, it's hard for me to put into words. Like if, if you've ever like been on a beach and grabbed like a handful of sand and then opened your hand, like on a windy day, what happens to the sand? Like the sand falls through your fingers and blows away. Like I literally felt like my life was like falling through my fingers. Cause I was like, am I, am I going to make it to Christmas? Like, is this, you know, I mean, I have a very good friend who's husband, they found a tumor and he was gone six weeks later. You know, it's a fact. He's gone. So Fred says, he goes, baby goes, you talk about not falling into despair. He goes, you came home on that Friday night. He goes, you got on a diving board. You did a swan dive into the, into the pool of despair. 
And I did. I did. And I remember Fred and I both took turns breaking down. And this was like Saturday night and I was freaking out. And Fred looked at me like I was like kind of screaming almost, you know, like what in the world? And he looked at me and he goes, listen, he goes, you have one more day of this, which was Sunday. And he said, the battle begins on Monday. Because we had already scheduled an appointment with the radiologist. And I was like, okay, you know, and there was a lot of tears, a lot of crying. And then Monday came, we dropped the kids off at school. It was their, it was their first day of school, which was a huge blessing. Like you talk about God's timing, like the kids being in school all day, like praise God for that. Drop the kids off at school. We come home, Fred's making breakfast. And I was like, okay, right. Like I was in despair. I'm starting to breathe again a little bit. Like, let's go to the radiologist. Let's do this. Well, that's actually when I found the planning papers for people who are listening. They're like, how to plan your funeral, right? Because people are like, what are planning papers? And I'm like, I don't want to say the word. So I'm sitting there and I'm going through, you know, they give you discharge papers and I'm like getting that stuff organized. I find the planning papers and I start shaking and I show them to Fred. And he looks at me and he goes, throw them away. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I wish I would have kept them and I wish I would have like taken a picture of it. But like at that moment I had, I had to throw them away. I was like, get this out of my face. So that was Monday. Um, went to the radiologist and then by Thursday, I was back on the radiation table, which if you think about it, like I was in the ER on one Thursday and and then less than a week later, I was receiving radiation, which I mean, that's like hyperspeed, right? Did the 10 sessions of radiation, um, met with an orthopedic spine specialist. Cause the big, the big problem is, is the, the tumors, obviously, but the other big problem is, is the tumor basically blew out my C2 vertebrae. Like it's like cracked, fractured, and like blown out. The problem is, is if that goes, it's catastrophic. Okay. So met with an orthopedic spine specialist, met with a neurosurgeon and the neurosurgeon, that's his specialty. And he was like, we got Becky, we got to do this. And I said to him, I go, I think I would rather have brain surgery than neck surgery. He's like, I said, I I don't want to. And he said, I said, but I have two little kids. He goes, do you want to be in a wheelchair and have those little kids be feeding you? And I was like, no, he goes, it was Becky. I go, he said, I've done this a thousand times. We got to do it. We got to stabilize your neck. He said to walk around with a broken neck is a hundred times more dangerous. So the surgery is scheduled for September 30th. And then once that's done, then we go back through chemo again. Um, the good news is, is for whatever reason, and, and Steve, like I, for three weeks, Freddie and I basically were at the doctors, <laughs> like no joke, scans, blood work, MRI, like, bone, like you wouldn't believe it. And my oncologist said, the, the breast cancer that went to my back is a different type of cancer than I originally had. So the first one was hormone receptive, meaning like it feeds off of estrogen and progesterone, where this one does not. So the good news is, is that this one has a ton more treatment options 
And there's something called immunotherapy. And my oncologist said, he said, we actually are having more success with immunotherapy. Um, it's actually working better than chemo. So that's going to be a huge part of the equation as well. Um, and that will start a couple weeks after, because you can't like do the next surgery and then start chemo like a couple days later, like I'm gonna have to recover from the next surgery a little bit and then go into treatment again. So here we are. <laughs> Becky, in the last episode, you talked about like God winks. Where, where have you been seeing God show up or be present for you in the midst of all of this chaos? There's been multiple miracles. My friends who are therapists, they said the fact that you have been walking around with a broken neck for months and your these spinal are cord. These are physical therapists? These are friends yes. who are PTs? Okay. Yes. PTs and OTs. They're like, the fact that you've been walking around with a broken neck for months and your spinal cord isn't injured. They're like, that's a miracle. It's a miracle that none of the tumors are pressing on my spinal cord. Even the doctors were like, none of them are pressing on your spinal cord because that would be a whole separate issue. It's also a miracle that my, my pain, all of my doctors, including the neurosurgeon, they're like, the fact that you're only taking Tylenol is a miracle. They're like, most people are on morphine in your situation. They're like, are you sure? They're like, are you sure you don't need heavier pain meds? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm like, I just take Tylenol a couple times a day and it's been working. They're fascinated. And I love, I love, I gotta be honest with you. It tickles me that I'm fascinating the neurosurgeon. And he even said to me, he goes, I'm gonna use your x-rays for some of my talks that I do. I go, oh my gosh, can I, I'm gonna tell my friends that. So, um, oh, I, I remember I was talking to Marcy Blacken and this was like right in the midst of everything. And she said, she goes, Becky, she goes, I bet you feel part of you feels like God has abandoned you. But she goes, after you tell me these things, she was like, God's just been carrying you through this the whole time and protecting you. And I was like, you're right. Absolutely. Becky, after you told me that you were going to see your radiologist, I believe it was a couple of days later that some friends had organized like a prayer night for you. Talk, talk about that. How did that come about? And what did that mean to you personally? My sister runs a prayer group and this was like week one of this chaos. And she was like, we're coming over on Thursday night or whatever. And I was like, well, I got to go to the oncologist. I don't know if I'm going to be back in time. And she's like, let's just do it. And so there was about 20 ladies here and I got home from the oncologist and you talk about like a, another friend of mine just went through cancer and she said a lot of things were burned away from her through cancer. And what I mean by that is like, I always had this issue of if people come over, my house has to be perfect. You know, the hostess with the mostest, like I need to have drinks and food for everybody and had the perfect outfit on and whatever. And so my sister's inviting all these people over 
and I got home from the oncologist and I did a ton of blood work and I was just, I was toasted. And I like, and I like laid on my couch and didn't care. I was like, my house is kind of a mess. I look like crap. You know, I've been, I've, I've been like dragged on the freeway for two weeks now and I didn't care. I know that sounds like a silly thing, but like, like all those, um, hangups, if you will, have been like ripped away from me. And like the, the, the women taking the time to come over and pray. I just, there are no words. And I remember Fred took the kids out and he came back. And if you remember the scene from Jerry Maguire with like the women's group, when Jerry Maguire walks back in the room and he's like, I'm looking for my wife. I was like, Fred, you need to do that. And he came home and there's like 20 women in the, in the great room. And he's like, I'm looking for my wife, like humor. That's the other thing too, Steve is like through the chaos, through the nightmare, through the despair, like looking for humor and like finding things to laugh at. Oh my gosh. Like it'll save your life. Right. And you talk about, like, I talked about my friend where she's like, cancer burned things away from me. Like I said, the other day I was on the phone with a friend and I said, if my house burned down and our cars and our boats blew up, I would probably laugh. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, how you yeah. hear things like, you know, you're only your loved ones matter and only your family matters and whatever. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this has stripped things away from me. Like I, I said that I go, if my house burned down, and our cars and our blow both blew up, I would laugh. Fred goes, I wouldn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> he is sitting right there. Oh. So Becky, it's it's just so good to hear in your voice that even though the stakes are high, and what and what I appreciate about you is you're not you're not delusional. You're not, you're not pretending like these aren't like very serious things like to have a, to need neck surgery and to have chemo and to have radiation and to have immunotherapy and to get a stage four diagnosis. Like none of these are trivial things. They're, they're big deals, but for you to be able to say, okay, I can name that and I can stare it down, scratching and clawing and committing to hope and to faith and the joy in the middle of it all. Uh, there are a lot of people, Bucky, who just can't imagine being able to do that. Where does that, where does that grit, where does that tenacity, where does that spiritual perseverance come from? The funny thing is, is like everyone is like, you're so strong. You're so strong. And I just laugh. I mean, when we walked back into my oncologist's office, like I was shaking so bad that Fred had to fill out the forms. Like when I walked back to the radiation room and I walked into that room, like see if I almost threw up when you're in this situation. I mean, truly it's kind of life or death. Let's be honest. You really don't have a choice. You know what I mean? Like I either do this, like the, the neurosurgeon said, cause I was like on the table. I like couldn't even see straight, but he was super, super positive, which is another thing. Like there was side note, there was a doctor that wasn't super positive about my situation and we're not working with him anymore. So like the doctors that we are working with, they're very encouraging. They're very positive. So like I'm laying on the table in the neurosurgeon's office. And I literally said to him, I was like, I, I don't, I, I don't want to do this. I, I can't do this. You know, because everything I've done up to this point, this neck surgery, 
I mean, cause you're C1, C2, I mean, that's your lifeline right there. You know, there, this is, this is not an easy thing. This is very risky. Well, not super risky, but there are risks involved, if you will. Sure. And he, he, he told me the truth. He was like, well, do you want to be in a wheelchair? Cause if you get, if you fall, if you get in a car accident, if something happens to that vertebrae and it collapses, he's like, it's going to be catastrophic. So I feel like when you're at the crossroads of, yes, this is scary. Yes. I told Lizbeth, Lizbeth Mercy came over yesterday. I said the morning of the surgery, I mean, they might very well just have to wheel me in on a wheelchair because I don't know if my legs are going to be strong enough to hold me up because I'm probably going to be that shaky and nervous. Right. She's like, that's okay. (laughs) Right. Like, I guess, and that's another thing too, like accepting this is scary. I am nervous. You know, and the one nurse was like, oh, we can give you something if you're nervous. I go, bring it on. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'm going to be like, you're going to have to drug me up a little bit. Um, but I guess it's just that choice. Like he said, he goes, Becky, we got to do this. And I was like, oh, okay. Let's, let's just do it. <sighs> Becky, a few years ago, I ran my first marathon and, and a buddy who was running it with me was my coach. His name was, was Rusty. And Rusty said, he goes, when you're running a really long race and it's really overwhelming and intimidating, he goes, don't do the math. No. He's like, don't, don't do the math. Don't be like, Oh, 17 more miles or 16 more miles. He's like, because that can get, that can get in your head and uh-huh. just start to shut you down. And so his encouragement to me was like, just run the mile you're in. Yes. Yes. My sister said like when she was running, she just had this mantra that she had in in her head that played over and over again that just said one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And that's true for running where the stakes are infinitely lower than they are for a stage four cancer diagnosis. But I, I think I hear you saying the same thing. Like if you do the math, it can get really paralyzing. But if you say- I have, you know, today's Tuesday and all I, all I have to do on Tuesday is put one foot in front of the other. Um, we were at my oncologist a couple of days ago and he came, he came And the thing is too, is like through, through this whole couple of weeks of the tornado, there was a lot of, do we do treatment first? Do we do surgery first? Do we do, you know, and, and that's the thing too, is a lot of times through these cancer journeys, you have to make the best decision that possible. Right. And a lot of times you're like, let's hope this is the right one. And so I'm laying there on the table in his office and we're going through, he was talking about the tumor and he's sending it to another lab. And because the more you know about the tumor, the more specific the treatment can be. And, and I'm laying there. And at that point we had already decided to do the surgery. It was already scheduled. And he was saying all these things. And I just, I go, stop, 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 stop. I go, my surgery's in like less than two weeks. I said, let me focus on the surgery because <laughs> you have to do like all these things to prep for it. Like I have to get an EKG. I have to get all these x-rays, like blood work, whatever. I'm like, let me focus on that because we can't start treatment until after that. I go, and you focus on my tumor. <laughs> and he yeah. goes, deal. So like, I can't think about treatment right now because I've got this surgery in less than two weeks and there's a lot to do for that. So yes, like breaking it down, baby steps, because I, just like you said, like I'm the type of person where I like to think 10 steps ahead, but I can become debilitated. 
Right. Like if I think about the surgery recovery and then, oh my gosh, treatment. And then, oh my gosh, you know, taking care of my kids through all this nightmare, like I can become completely paralyzed. Baby You're step. right, Becky. And I think it's, I have to keep reminding myself that no matter what challenge I'm, I'm facing in life is you can't skip steps. You don't get to skip oh. steps. You have, you have to take them in order. And sometimes God only illuminates the steps one at a time. There's this great verse that says, God, your, your wisdom or your word, your insight is, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. And I, I was, I was having a meeting with a friend yesterday. We were in the basement of a church and we were meeting there longer than everybody else was there. And the lights were off and we both had to pull out our phones so we could find our way down the hallway. (laughs) And it was just, it was just, we, it just one, like, just like we're saying, sometimes you can only see the next step, but that's okay because we're only created to take one step at a time anyway. Like God didn't create our body to do leaps and bounds. We're not super people. We're humans. We put, we can take one step at a time. Uh, We can choose how quickly we take those steps, but we can still only take one step at a time. And I think sometimes that's God's mercy to be able to say, just focus on this ask me for this, listen to me in this, um, feel my presence in this. And then when we get to the other side, we can figure out what's next. So Becky, what words of encouragement do you have for people who might be getting some disappointing news in their health struggles? Like maybe they had, they hit some milestones, they were in remission, they thought they were in the clear, and then they had a major setback. What, what would you say to that person who's really struggling to hang on to hope today? So when this whole thing happened, you know, I did a Facebook post and I just was like, you know, I wanted to let friends and family know what was going on. And so many of them, came back to me with my own words because you know I've done multiple podcasts and you know been doing my Facebook posts and, and I've been putting these words of encouragement out and it was like I was <laughs> and I kind of got mad because I was like you guys are using my words against me <laughs> not really though they were using they're like a couple of my friends were like you said this you know, you said these encouraging words, you persevered in this way. My one friend's daughter, she like painted this uh, painting over a cross. And it was about the words that I spoke on our last podcast about, you know, God is in control. It's his fight, not yours. And in the end, you know, I'm going to be the one standing. And she like did a painting of those words. And I just, again, just like I said, at the end of our last podcast, like, like right now, I have a broken neck. I have fractures in my back. They think there's fractures in my hips as well, which I kind of think they are too, because my leg is heavy. Like I'm not rocking life right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but again, back to the verse that we talked about in our last podcast, it's an Exodus, right? You need only to be still. Yeah. What's the, what's the whole verse? <laughs> um, the Lord will fight for you. You there need you only to be still. Yeah. Right. There you go. There you go. You know, and again, just like we talked about the baby steps, one appointment at a time, one surgery at a time, one treatment at a time, because looking too far down the road becomes paralyzing yeah. and debilitating. Yeah. 
Well, Becky, know this, that my wife, Kelly, and I are praying with and for you and Fred. We love you deeply. We thank you for your willingness to involve us in your journey and in your story. And thanks so much on behalf of this show and our listeners for having the courage to circle back and say, I want to, I want to tell the next part of my story because there are other people who would say like, Nope, I only want to share. I only want to share the wins when they're over and they're done and they're clean. And you are really capturing kind of the, the ethos and the character of this podcast by saying it was hard. It is hard. It might continue to be hard. I'm not letting go of my grip on hope and the hope that Christ has for not just for my present, but for my future. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, Becky. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Uh, please continue to pray for Becky and Fred and their kids. And we'll be looking forward to an update from her in the not so distant future. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.